Good morning. Welcome to The Screen's Margins, the podcast network where voices oft unheard dissect cinematic canons oft undiscussed. My name is B. Peterson. I am your host. And with me, as always, when talking about Frederick Wiseman is... Harold Urtiaga. What's up? All right, Harold, introduce yourself. Uh, well, I am an MA candidate at the University of Texas uh, Department of Media Studies, uh, radio, television, film. Um, I'm an ex-radio DJ, uh, amateur programmer, and mayor of Swagton. Okay. All right. Uh, my name is B. Peterson. I am a uh, MSU film major dropout. And one of my favorite things about doing this podcast with a bunch of people is it turns out that I might be the least qualified person to do this. Like everyone else has like radio experience. And anyway, I'm just happy to be doing this. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I've got, I've got a few published reviews and all that jazz, but that's not really, this is, this is, this is my thing at this point. Um, So this is, this is the screens margins and the screens margins is a podcast that I'm starting because frankly, I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a little starved when it comes to discussions of outsider cinema. Where's the Agnes Varda podcast? Where's where's the podcast about Ozu? Where are all these people that that made so many great films and are among the titans of cinema, but no one ever talks to them because everyone's always talking about Hitchcock and Bergman and Kurosawa, and those are all great filmmakers to various degrees. Like they they deserve to be talked about, but just like. What if, for a brief moment, that we could, we could, we could give some time to some other people? And so that's 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 what I'm aiming to do with this podcast is 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 go into the to the cinema that that deserves to be as mainstream as 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 that kind of, as those as those films and those filmmakers. And so this podcast specifically, I'll be having s- several series with various different co-hosts that you should be introduced to over the next week or weeks. And this one is about Frederick Wiseman. And this will be going through every single film of Frederick, that Frederick Wiseman's that we can get our hands on. I know that most of them are available through Canopy. All you need is a library card, and you'll be able to have access to at least 40 of his films. And we'll be going in reverse chronological order. So we'll be starting with today, where we'll be starting with City Hall, his, his new film. And then we'll be working back until we finally get to his 1964 film, Titticut Follies week by week, film by film. Just so I, I have this, you know, mm-hmm. clear, uh, th- we're, we're keeping it non-explicit. We're not saying the F word in this podcast. We're keeping it family friendly. I just want to know. I, so I, I, don't slip I, I up. think that that's probably how, how, how we'll do it. If you want to, if you feel that it is absolutely necessary to punctuate a statement of yours with an obscenity, then that's, that's your prerogative. Um, but generally I think that we'll probably try to keep this clean for the most part. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Wiseman Wiseman's work uh, demands it. So yeah, I was just I curious. Mean, if maybe maybe on a Greg Araki podcast that might be more appropriate. But as of as of right now, I'm trying to keep most of most of the discussion clean. Um, but anyway, uh, before we before we get into City Hall, before we get into the to the film that we're going to discuss today, I'm just just want to check in with you, Harold, and just wondering. Wondering uh, uh, how how you're doing in this day and age, because as of recording, today is December 22nd. This will hopefully be released. I'm not sure if it'll be on all platforms on the day that it goes up on Anchor, but hopefully be released on January 1st, which is Frederick Wiseman's birthday. He'll be turning 91. 
Um, just just checking in. How how are you doing at this moment in time? Um, doing. I mean, doing about as well as anybody can be right now. Um, yeah. kind of bemoaning the fact uh, that I won't be able to spend Christmas with my immediate family, but I'm lucky enough to have. Uh, you know, three roommates that I live with that I'll be spending Christmas with, uh, here. So it, 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 you know, we're making making the most of what we got. All right, that's that's good to hear. I've been I've been sheltering at home, at, sheltering in place at at my house. Um, came home when lockdown started, back to my house from college, and then just decided to stick around because I didn't really want to leave the house because you know gestures broadly. Um, doing the 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 mad dash at the end of the year to watch as many 2020 releases as possible. I've got like a schedule lined up for all of the films that are coming out on the 25th. So, right. Uh, yeah, I am maybe doing a less organized effort than you are, but I'm also trying to catch up with all of these. And it's getting to you know that that sort of dead end shuffle where it's like, okay, how got to pick a handful of films that mm-hmm. I've been curious about that I think you know, I will have either something to say about or uh, that that will almost for sure make it to the top of my list and then just call it call it a year. Yeah, because it's, it's annoying because when you get to the end of the year that you really have to start making those decisions and you try not to have expectations going into films like because you want to just let the film be the film. But then at the same time, you have to like, is this the kind of film that I'm going to like? And so that's what you base your decisions on. Like I did got a free trial for movie yesterday just so could I, I could watch this uh, German film. I was at home, but heard a lot and, of things about it. And let me tell you, it might be the strangest film I've seen all year. If you're not into extremely slow cinema, then then it's probably not for you. But anyway, but that's that's the kind of thing that I'm that I'm working on is is that kind of stuff. But all right, um, why don't we just get into it? Let's get into City Hall. Let's yeah, let's walk in through those doors. So Harold, when you're faced with a film with a 275 minute runtime, does that excite you? Does that intimidate you? What's your opinion on extremely long films um a little bit of both uh i the first thing the first sort of feeling i have towards it is is respect especially in the year of the limited series i feel like it is a statement to be like yes this is one cohesive work and it should be um you know consumed as such uh so I, I have always been a fan of long movies, um, even though I haven't had a chance to maybe sit down and watch very many of them because of how long they are. Uh, let's see. Recent memory, um, I back when movie theaters were still a thing, I went to the Austin Film Society to watch uh, Bertolucci's Novacento, 1900, with Gerard Depardieu and Robert De Niro. And I have to be honest, 99% of the reason that I went to go see it was because of my huge crush on Robert De Niro. Um, you which have a is... crush on Robert De Niro? Hold yeah. on, I buried the lead. <laughs> He's... Uh, I don't... Okay, I'm I'm not sure I can you explain to me your your affection for Robert De Niro? Like he's uh, he's decently good looking. I'll, I'll give you that, but it just I've I've never had a thing for him. Right. Um I, I don't know if I could explain it. Uh, I, I took uh, a class, uh, a Martin Scorsese class at 
film school because it was taught by you know one of the best professors uh, in, in in our department, uh, taught by Shots. Uh, so naturally, I was I was curious about what a Scorsese class taught by him would be like, and I just came out on the other end of it with just like this gigantic kind of obsession with De Niro. I don't know. I don't know how, what there is to it. Uh, he's he's daddy. <laughs> He's daddy. Um, okay, what's 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 where in what film has he been the hottest? Oh God, that is Cape it, Fear. No, <laughs> God, no. Uh, I, there's a certain I don't know. There's something fun about his deranged performance in Cape Fear, um, but and like his awful, awful like Southern accent. Um, but I think a Taxi Driver before he gets Jokerified. Um, okay. he's, he's really hot. He's really hot in, in 1900. Um, I think the sort of older De Niro is hot in, in Goodfellas. Um, and I know we're, we're mostly talking about Scorsese collab projects here. Uh, but yeah, there, there, there's like hot young De Niro and there's like hot older De Niro and they're, they're very different. Um, you know, in Stardust when he's in drag and playing camp, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could do a whole podcast about his about later career, De Niro, and mm, yeah. his talk about Dirty Grandpa, the War with Grandpa, um, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, get 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 that paycheck, get that paycheck, King. <laughs> all right. So back to Wiseman. So okay. <laughs> so we were talking about long run times, and he's. And so it's it's a mix of both. It's intimidation and and excitement. And I'd probably say um, it's for me, it's more on just the pure excitement, because nowadays, if you want to excite me with a film, one of the easiest ways to do that is say that it's under 80 minutes or it's over three hours. And at that point, I'll be like, okay, this person is making a deliberate choice to go outside of your typical run times. It's like the same thing when like people's like, I'm going to shoot a movie in a, in a Academy ratio. Like you're making a deliberate choice there to do something with framing. And so that, that'll get me invested in, in, in a film. So, so here we have city hall. It's 275 minutes. I watched it last week. I believe you watched it yesterday. Yes. Okay. it's, It's fresh in my mind. Yeah, and you so I I you you said you take a you took a break so you saw about three hours, yeah, and then and then finished it, all right, and then I did it in one sitting, so I I saw it, I saw it a week ago and I and I managed to pull it off without without hitting pause once, got through the entire film, and so City Hall twenty twenty film directed by Frederick Wiseman, edited by Frederick Wiseman. He's got his 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 credit sequence are always the shortest. Shortest ever because it's just like written direct director producer editor editor, sound yep all by frederick wiseman hyphen it then then there's there's his cameraman and then there's basically just thanks to all of the places that he filmed and it's very very simple and and always at the beginning of his films it's just title of the film and now we're in it that's it that's all you got and we're just into the film and so we're in the city of Boston. We're at the City Hall, City of Boston, late 2018. Over It's over a few months from late 2018 to early 2019. And we've 
we've we we open on the skyline and first of all i just want to talk about the skylines in this film frederick wiseman who normally for 90 percent of this film maybe 95 percent of this film we're just in rooms watching like meetings a city hall meetings but but between that he gives us breathers of just the most gorgeous cinematography of going around Boston, like he specifically the city hall building, of course, but just with its its gorgeous architecture of its window styles, its its frames and its stone, the cut stone and all of it is just is just gorgeous. And it ends up and it goes and that goes all the way to the final shots where those those last shots are just absolutely gorgeous of of the sunset in Boston. Anyway, just um, I'm just, I'm curious. I'm curious if you had a, a, a favorite favorite moment in the the interstitials, if it were. Uh, yeah, later on in the film, where the interstitials sort of transition from day to night and back again, there's a really sort of um, meditative moment where Wiseman just lets this crosswalk be play uh, oh, yeah, for like yeah, a solid yeah, yeah. minute. Yeah, and I thought, I, like, that's not anything remarkable but just at the point where it was in the movie uh like you said these are very very well-placed respites plural uh because initially you know you're watching this and you're like oh god this is gonna be meetings the whole time and and Mm -hmm. you know i I think he kind of fix you out it's not it's 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 a lot more than that and obviously not only these interstitials but also the the times when you go out into the streets to see sort sort of city hall functions outside of the building uh are are definitely the the highlights yeah no there's 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 a lot of scenes with us there's several there's several scenes with street workers there's trash collectors which that whole sequence was just with like watching them put in the mattresses and there's they put in an entire grill into yes. the back of this trash compactor and like that is like nuts and then there's a scene where they're i believe they're painting the road they're like i don't know if they're like they're painting it red or for whatever reason they're putting down like colored colored uh Mm -hmm. not asphalt but yeah yeah yeah. and it's and it's just and all the goo like that clear goo and the when we start out in that scene it's just the goo that we see and we're like what are they doing and then they start spreading it and you're like, what is going on here? And then they finally start throwing out the red, the the red little. Uh, it looks like salt, and just covering all of it. And it's just, it's that's that's what I was struck by most is that 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 there is such a a, a, a beauty and a poetry in just in these mundane things that if we saw on the street, we would just pass by without a thought. But when we're but when we're made to look at them the way that the way that Wiseman just has us has us just sit with these with these people working going about their day it's just it's a real it's you're invested and it's and especially when it's contrasted with all of the interior stuff i was i was i was never bored throughout this film were you ever bored at any point during this film i think um when it got there were maybe two parts and these are the the, the like the budget meeting, there was a guy with like an, an, a nerdyish guy with glasses who was like trying to break down the city budget. And oh, that was at the very beginning. At the very beginning, yeah. And, yeah, and, okay. and, and, and Wiseman cuts to the audience and they're just like sitting there, eyes glazed, like totally spaced out. And uh, I think there was an, another one where 
Marty Walsh is uh, talking to, I don't know if they're donors, they're obviously like people of, of import who he's gathered together for like a dinner or something. Uh, and he's just kind of uh, buttering the them, will? buttering them up a little bit. Was it no, the no, 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 no. Luncheon? Okay. No, I, I, I don't think there was food involved, but it was, it was, it was more of a conference. And he was just like buttering okay. them up, and he's like, you know, we have leaders here. Uh, Boston is so great. We have the universities here. Uh, we have so many people who are, are, you know, uh, representing their community, and we're doing good work. Um, and 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 those were moments where I feel like Wiseman, you know, let them play out. Just so you could see the sort of necessary uh, evils of, you know, th- this kind of, of, of uh, po- uh, politics, just period, mm-hmm. just t- type of yeah, local politics. We might as well we might as well get to Mayor Marty because Mayor Marty is in like half of this film, like every other scene. He is everywhere. From the first scene, we start in, I believe it's his cabinet meeting, and he's talking about um, how the various departments need to be more cohesive um, with in responding to basically trauma events. Like if there's a, a, a murder or a, hom- a, a homicide that happens, that the, that the police and the social workers and all the different people that are involved that they need to be more cohesive and so that they can better help the the community heal and so that's that's where we open and then so i did i did a thing and and what i what i did is i wrote down because this is this is what helped kept me engaged throughout the film is that every time there was a new scene i would write down like i took notes of every single scene in this film and and it's I, i did it on a notes document and it goes I, I mean, I send it to you, Harold, and it's just it just goes on and on and on and on. And what I ended up doing is every now and then, every scene that had Marty in it, I would just write at the end featuring Marty. And it's just like every other scene, whether like he'll show up at at um, he was at the Red Sox World Series premiere, which like of course the mayor's gonna be there. And then he's at a senior uh, senior co- senior action council conference, which is talking about phone scams and pharmaceutical costs. And then he goes. He's at a town hall for veterans, which I want to talk about because that scene was. Yeah, we there's a lot there. And sometimes you won't even see him for like the first 10 minutes of the scene. And then he'll just show up and because he's there also. And like throughout the last two hours of this film, I was basically I just kept laughing because I just kept like, what if Marty just popped up into this scene to give another speech about how something from his past? I got to say. What was your what was your impression of Mayor Marty? Because I think he came off rather well as a result of this film yeah i don't know if i i don't think that wiseman was trying to paint him in any particular light um but through his actions i mean through his involvement not only on the on the macro level of like like i said talking to people who are are, are helping out in some financial or cultural or political way uh, but on the micro level of like talking to all these seniors and talking to all these veterans you can you can see that that he is not a, a sort of lame duck mayor uh, he's the closest thing the movie has to a main character. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going? What was I going to mention? Um, you know, uh, a, a, a Irish Catholic mayor of Boston. Who would have guessed? Uh, so, so he is kind of a, a walking personification of the city. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I gave me a the kind of appreciation for him for sure. Yeah, and it's and it's always it's always a question um, because. I don't know if you saw this, but with the screening that we got, 
um, that there was an interview. There was like a 36-minute interview that uh, it played automatically for me of an uh, interview between uh, a, rep- a journalist and Frederick Wiseman and Mayor Marty. And I, I, I watched it all, and it was, it was decently interesting. But, but I think one thing that, uh, that really, that really grabbed my attention was that Frederick Wiseman doesn't consider his films documentaries. He believes that they're structured narratives starring real people. And with that in mind, it, it, it causes me to wonder because this film is, this film is, is showing the minutia of how policy changes come about, how people interact, how, how civic engagement works and what the effects of it are and what the needs of it are and all of that stuff, like on the most minutia level from the, from the people to their representatives to the, the people that those representatives go to and their committees and their councils and then how eventually that goes all the way up to the mayor. And sometimes the mayor will be down talking to the people and sometimes they'll be talking to the representatives and sometimes they'll be talking to the representatives, committee heads and all that jazz. And that this film is explicitly about how a government functions, which I think, and Frederick Wiseman said this in his interview, that it is an anti-Trump film in that this is how a government functions. Right now, we've been living through an administration that doesn't care about a functioning government. Like they are cared, they care about power consolidation and and winning, whereas opposed to this film is depicting how how a, how a government is supposed to work for its people, and in that way, I guess I'm wondering if there was anything that maybe that because he also said that he had 104 hours of footage to work with, and I'm just wondering if in those other 100 hours. Of, of movie if there was maybe something that we didn't see from mayor marty that was maybe less flattering because all we ever see him is is him doing the right thing like maybe he might be hamming it up a little to donors or what it might be but he's always he's got his heart in the right place and he's got the right intentions and he's getting stuff done and he's talking at a, a latinx um economic engagement He's talking about how you are the future of this country and how when I when Trump announced the Muslim ban, I got every single immigrant in this building and we held a press conference denouncing it and stuff like that. And he's and he's basically he's a hero of this of this film. And I'm just I'm just wondering if they're because it's I mean, all documentaries are propaganda in a way. Technically, they are advocating all art is political. They're all advocating something. And I guess I'm just wondering if maybe there was some stuff that we didn't see but but ultimately i th- i think that the film s- complete achieves its purpose which is to make you which is to make you believe that a functioning government is a positive thing and that mayor marty is doing a positive thing right and i think that showing you know a potential um moment of weakness of the mayor would kind of undermine Wiseman's point of, uh, you know, government being comprised of all of these people who are just uh, trying their best, like I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, doing the best with what they've got and trying to work within uh, the system that is oftentimes just completely hostile to them. Um, so, so in a way, I can understand why it is so, so nice uh, towards him. Yeah, he loves the word resilience. 
Oh, he does. He loves the word resilience. Um, Mayamari loves resilience. Um, yeah, I. That'll be the only Boston accent I try throughout the rest of this. I'm not going to insult. I'm not going to try and insult anyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, speaking of Marty, I kept on. I kept thinking about the Departed because of all the, because of all the Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is I not my favorite. I will say I like it, but it's not. It's not my favorite. I think Scorsese. it's very good. That that is yeah. my take on the Departed. It is very good, and that's that's all. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's two scenes in this film that take place at the police department, um, where there's daily briefings. It's two of them. They account for maybe two minutes total of the entire runtime of the film, and it is maybe the most uncomfortable that I was throughout the entirety of the film because behind them. Um, hanging behind them is the thin blue line flag. I'm just curious how how those scenes made you felt because like I'm I'm kind of of the mind like the A cab mind um, where it's just like I I really don't like I get why they're there but like the police literally originated from the groups of of people who hunted down escaped slaves like that that's the origin of the police system in our country and it's just like I I'm really I'm really not a fan but anyway. That was no, that was maybe I mean, the one scene. I, I I would agree that I am also not a fan. Uh, as an undocumented person, I know very well the role that sort of law enforcement uh, plays in 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 immigration. Uh, you know, enforcement themselves. Uh, you know, it's not just ICE agents who are rounding up people um, mm-hmm. and and getting them detained and locked up. Um, but. I was a little afraid that this was going to devote more screen time to police than maybe a documentary about City Hall deserves. And mm-hmm. I'm thankful that they uh, doesn't. And in particular, the, uh, you know, there's probably something we'll have to discuss more in, de- in depth later on during this episode, but the, the uh, cannabis. Um, oh, that we're going to talk about that know, scene. We're going to um, talk about that scene. But there, there's one moment where a, a woman is very straight up, you know, like, oh, you know, these cannabis businesses are depending on, on, on collaboration with the police to make sure that they enforce all these parking stipulations, mm. all these, you know, making sure that these places stay safe and are, are beneficial to the community. And the, the point is that the, historically the police have not been kind to our community. Uh, and and we don't really want them. And then it cuts to uh, a shot of a very dejected-looking police officer. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of standing there, like I'm I'm here also. <laughs> and that 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 made me laugh, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no the 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 police presence is definitely there throughout the film. Like we see at all the parades, there are a, there's the Red Sox parade. There's a Chinese New Year event um, towards the end of the film. But very, and we see like a a woman handing out parking tickets, and and the main scene, other than the police, than the than the briefings at the department, that we do see the police is towards the beginning when they're talking about the Red Sox parade. Um, they're basically saying, "Please don't drink, seriously, no uh, no public drinking, please don't do it." And it they really are a background element, but. You will see them pop up in various, and they're like in the cabinet meetings and in the some various committees, like where they'll they'll talk and they'll they'll have input. And it's just anyway, that's and 
we will we will at some point in this podcast because I believe that Wiseman directed uh, uh, two documentaries on police, police, and then police two. Uh, back in, I think it was maybe in the '70s when he directed those. So we'll we'll probably be able to go a lot more in depth into to how he depicts police officers then. But um, why don't we let's stay towards the beginning of the of the film? Why don't, um, were there any specific scenes that that really that that stuck with you um, from early in the documentary? Because I've I've got a couple, but I'm just wondering if if there was anything that stuck out to you. Um, the somewhat awkward but very sweet civil marriage ceremony. Oh yes, the, right at the towards the beginning of the film, there's there's a there's a marriage marriage ceremony, and it is, I believe, uh, uh, same sex marriage between between two women that that we see, and and it's it's yeah, it's it's very sweet. They're both just kind of standing there, and then at the very end where uh the woman officiating is like i now pronounce you man and uh, married and it's 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 all very cute yeah she didn't slip up with the wife stuff throughout the whole spiel mm-hmm. and then at the end she doesn't stick the landing and then yeah. one of the one of the brides just can't seem to look at the other one in the eyes mm-hmm. um is very it's, very I'm, timid if i were to guess it's probably because the cameras were there yeah that but anyway but yeah no that was that was a that was a cute little moment um I found myself really engrossed by the, there are two scenes of this, one's uh, towards the very beginning of the film, and then one's a little bit later, but the Office of Housing Stability, um, where they have a scene early on talking about um, eviction prevention. And and this was maybe the first scene in the film where you really got in a, a sense of how important uh, representation was in to be at these places where different people would speak and they would all have different perspectives and they were all different and they were all important perspectives and they're all distinct. And it was really, really clear um, to me how important that people be in these rooms. And, and I'm, I'm curious what kind of civic engagement have you, have you done? Um, like, have you attended like a, a, a town halls and that kind of thing for, um, throughout your young life um in elementary school i actually uh provided testimony um to increase school funding um for austin american uh, austin independent school district uh but that was a long time ago more recently i volunteered for immigration advocacy groups um helping people like file their daca applications which is less you know um local government and more having to deal with the, the federal um, okay yeah that's that's about it all right just because because watching all these scenes and if city hall did anything is it, it made me more like it made me want to attend these attend these meetings like it it's somehow like and like and they're all they're about all these different kinds of stuff whether it's I can't remember the name of it. Commission for People with Disabilities that they have a they have a meeting where they're talking about libraries that need ramps, and there's there's a one meeting where we're talking about they're setting up a, a an engagement center for op- uh, addicts, uh, specifically opioid addicts, and trying to make it a recovery center that's not focused on recovery, that's just focused on having people have a safe space. Yeah, I, I thought that was a pretty interesting sequence. Also, the fact that one of the people there 
at the meeting is like a, a an artist who like focuses on civic art mm-hmm. uh and who's been working with another artist who has a family history of addiction and so the, the this project in particular is very important to her uh who's not at the meeting but they they, they talk about her pretty extensively mm-hmm. um and i i think that th- that sequence stood out to me yeah, no, that was a good scene. It's also one of the only scenes where we saw the camera and the boom mic. Right. And the reflection. And then when I just remember seeing that, like, ah, ah, I see you. But anyway, so that that was that that was that was a very good scene. Yeah, uh, Wiseman usually does such a good job of just um being low I mean, his obviously production invisible. is just two people and uh it's just him holding his little boom mic standing in the corner and then somebody else with a camera in another corner. Completely unobtrusive. Uh, so the, the few points where it's like even remotely reflexive, uh, especially when there are like other cameras in the scenes. Yeah, uh, like was when a... they're at press conferences or at the Goodwill event, they have a Thanksgiving Goodwill event um, that there are a lot of other TV cameras that are walking around. But yeah, Wiseman but... will cut to them. There's also this one bit at the museum. There's, they're like digging up some archaeological artifacts that haven't been oh, properly cataloged. It's at, the, cataloged. It's at the, yeah. the Boston City Archive. And yeah, they, it looks like they're doing some sort of interview for like the news or whatever it is. So yeah, you, uh, the the initial question is like, who is this other cameraman? Is it affiliated with this documentary in any way? And it, the answer turns Tip- out to be no. no it's just yeah. some other guy. Why don't we Why don't we jump into the Veterans Town Hall because that was one of the most fascinating. It comes in about may, approaching two hours into the dock, and it's outside of the marijuana dispensary scene, which we'll get to. Um, I think it might be the longest single single location the t- time that we spend in one spot. And first off, I just want to know, Harold, what your if you have any history at all with um, like family that's veterans or that's in the military or that kind of thing. Just to, from where you're coming from when watching this scene. No, I I don't. Um, especially you know, seeing as none of my family is from the U.S., mm-hmm. certainly no connection to the U.S. military. Um, in Peru, my dad was a member of the Merchant Marine, but that's like another thing altogether. Um, so yeah, n- not not really any any connection on my end. Okay. What about you? Um, my grandfather was is a was a Korea vet. He's a Korea vet, uh, Korean War vet, but um. Other than that, I really don't have much family um, in. I can't really think of any other family that was in in the military at any point, or that is in the military. Um, I've always kind of been a little averse to it. Like if I, if I were ever drafted, I'd be a conscientious objector. I'm pretty sure, just because I don't like the idea of having a gun in my hand. Like that's yeah, just same. Um, anyway, and so, but this scene was so fascinating to me because. It's just people talking about their experiences, and um, it starts out with an older woman who's talking, who gives a a little monologue about um, going overseas to help people, and then, but the the majority of it is two men, and then the second man who talks about being in, I believe it's Afghanistan. Yeah, both 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 Iraq and and Afghanistan. Yeah, he had served a tour in Iraq, and he was in Afghanistan when he got shot. And he get and he got shot by a second sniper that took him in the side and it went right into his chest. And just his testimony about basically just being completely willing to die for his country. Like it's 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 
I mean, it is moving. It's a very moving testimony and talking about how when he was able, he was given the chance to go home and he says, no, that I'm, I'm here. I'm here to, to, to be here. And his, and his, and then Mayor Marty shows up and he talks about his substance abuse and how veterans deal with substance abuse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have I have some thoughts about that, but I think it's it's pretty important to mention the uh, Vietnam, the Black Vietnam veteran mm-hmm. who shows up, who uh, tells a story about how he called his mom and he was like, "Oh uh, my, I f- yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Oh my word, that scene was like, you're no, you're coming home because." Someone's gotta. Someone's gotta pay for the laundry or whatever. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, saying. yeah. Who's who's gonna do my laundry if you're not here? And it, his mom is insisting. You know, you're you're coming back. You're special. But uh, meanwhile, you know, the soldier and son is trying to break the news to her that like, you in in, in no uh, small terms, my my government is sending us to die. To die. Yeah. Um. And that was that was so impactful. Yeah, I think that was something that was explored really well in spike lee's film from earlier this year to five bloods yes and and i mean the the fact that it follows you know it's right after this younger guy who was shot in the chest in iraq saying i believe in our cause yeah. you know i was willing to stay back and fight because other people were dying uh I, I, very astute editing by wiseman to, to mm-hmm. sort of put those right next to each other because uh, Immediately after that, it's a it's a much older guy who is is uh, I, I don't remember quite if he's reading like a piece of prose or if he's quoting somebody, but but it ends with him saying, yeah, it's it ends with him saying, you know, let's hope that in the future we can resolve our our conflicts without mm-hmm. sending our sons and daughters to 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 go to war. All right, so that's the veterans town hall. Um, what, can can we talk for a second about the parking violations? Um, yeah, where like people came to contest their parking violations. That was that was just so fun to to basically where it's just you and this one person in a little room at a desk, and you are at the mercy of them to to basically appeal for appeal for your to to not be fined or whatever it is. And there's the man who was, he was, his, he was, his wife was having a baby or whatever. And so he parked in the middle of the night in front of a fire hydrant and he gets off. And then there's another man who was just an, an older man who's just the most, the most Boston of the Bostonians that mm-hmm. we've come across in this entire documentary. Yeah. And, and yeah, just this, this white, um, blue collar guy who's just like I didn't know people live there or whatever, and and I'd like to point out that across from him was um, a non-binary person because they had they got the they had the little pin that said they on the on on their um, on their jacket or whatever, and I was just like, hey, good very, to see you. That's very eagle-eyed of you. I just noticed that it was a bunch of pins and plus leather jacket. I was like, okay, you're cool. You're that's all I got. You're cool. Anyway, so I was I was very happy to see some non-binary representation in City Hall. Um, I'd be surprised if there's going to be a ton of non-binary representation throughout Wiseman's filmography. But but it was good to see that anyway. And it also non-binaries also get a shout out at the at the the next thing that I'm wanting to talk about, which is the Latina Equal Pay Day um, conference. I will I is, will mention that these traffic bits if i'm not mistaken 
because like you said it's a very long film and mm-hmm. i don't exactly remember what comes after what sometimes uh it's surrounded by footage of uh surveillance um oh, yeah there's the traffic surveillance yeah and they are uh, the, the the civic engineers or the traffic directors or whatever they're they're changing like lights uh they're like oh this green light has been going on for too long and mm-hmm. uh nobody ever uses it what do you think about changing it and they apparently do in that in that span of time and they've uh, got they just have walls and walls of like all these screens of different all the cameras and it's just yeah they they, they call in to uh, a a traffic officer like hey somebody's double parked uh over here at this intersection go and check it out yeah no, um, i can't imagine having that job just staring at screen like that many screens all day long trying to keep that all in your head like that's that's a tough job i bet like that was that was impressive that was fascinating we could that's a thing is that we could have had a movie about pretty much any one of the things that we focused on like we could have had the person following the guy who was doing um, the construction inspections. We could have had a movie uh, following the guy who was going out to help the man with his rap problem, um, or the trash collectors, or the, or the 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 traffic camera surveillance, or the or the police department, or the school district. Like all this stuff. Like sometimes they only get like five minutes, and you could spend an hour with them. And yeah, I I think it would have been cool to see more of the traffic camera surveillance, but. They had to move on to I think what was after that was the the Holocaust Memorial. I don't know if that was the opening of it. Um, no, it wouldn't have been because I've I've been to Boston. I went to Boston in 2017 and it was already there. But by the way, that Holocaust Memorial is pretty haunting. The way that it has the steam come up from the vents underneath into the into those chambers. Yeah, I didn't know. It, I didn't know if that was like just because it was cold or if that was like part of the. No, I that's guess, part of the installation. Installation, yeah. My, I think maybe one of my, one of my top three scenes was the Latina Equal Pay Day presentation. It was at Roxbury Community College, because it was just a bunch of smart women talking, and uh, and the one woman who talked about I, I I don't remember what her profession was. Maybe she was a lawyer or something, but how she learned that she had to basically start going to bars and learned how to play golf. Just so that she could, because that's not, because that's where all the, that's where all the business happens is in those spaces, is in, is in those white male spaces. Yeah. And it's, and it's like such a, I don't know, microcosm of our current kind of, um, I guess, political landscape in a way, just because the sport of golf is all about um, having land, having perfectly manicured Mm. wide swathes of land. Uh, that are just used for one thing, and that's and that's to get the tiny ball in the hole. Um, well, it's not used just for that though, because it's it's used for white men to talk about their 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 white men things, right? And, and or I should say, rich white men to get talk about their rich white men things. And golf golf ranges are maybe one of the the worst uses of space. Yes, I, I I kind of hate them waste on of water, waste of space. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Uh, but the the yeah the, the fact that she has to learn, um, and is willing to put herself through that is mm. yeah 
Like it says a lot. And just just so that because around her there were no um pe- there were no people, let alone women, that looked like her in those spaces. And so now there are people like her who can then be help help others get into those into those spaces and create their own spaces. And it's just that was it's stuff like that that it was just that were those were my favorite scenes. I think one of the, maybe the strongest aspect of the film is that how its focus is is on seeking out and giving voice to to the I mean cuz they're not even minorities but to the to the to the all of the other perspectives that that are not maybe the first that you think of when you think of Boston. Right cuz cuz Mayor Walsh is pretty consciously throughout this whole film fighting against this idea of like racist Boston. At one point he like just says it flat out. He's like, you know, there's so many preconceptions about our city and the way that race relations exist in our city. And uh, in, in my, during my term, you know, we've tried to change this perception. Yeah. Um, And why don't, why don't we, we might as well get to it. Let's, let's talk about that marijuana dispensary town hall because that was just, I think it's it I I didn't time it or anything but it was it was probably I'm my guess is that it was the longest single scene that we had in the in the film it's maybe about half an hour and oh my word that was riveting that was riveting cuz to to set the scene is that it's a town hall this company I don't think they're ever named but it's just these board of people that are wanting to put in a marijuana dispensary in this neighborhood in Boston I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's the poorest neighborhood in Boston. And they're wanting to put in a marijuana dispensary. And it's a town hall where they're basically the people of the community can come and ask questions. And boy, do they ask questions. Um, there's there's a man who's recording the whole thing. He's like live streaming it on his phone. And and he's talking about it's like I just ha- I just want to question is that are you going to hire people? that look like me. He's, he's a, he's a black man. And he's just like, because I look up there and I'm not seeing anyone like me. And, and where, but where I come from, people look like me and like people. And it's just, and talking about like, what are going to be your hiring practices? What is the parking going to look like? Who's going to enforce the parking? Um, are people going to be, what's, how are you going to address people the crime around the building and all this stuff. And it's just, just point after point after point made at points. There's a woman in the back who's like the, their representative, uh, a, I believe it's a black woman that talks about like, I represent, I represent the people of this neighborhood Hear all the concerns that they've given me. And meanwhile, the, um, I think I can't remember if they'd say that he's, he's Vietnamese or, or Chinese, but there's an Asian man who does a lot of the talking for the marijuana dispensary. And he repeats the point like three times that, you know, we're not looking to give people jobs. We're looking to help them build careers and mentorship. Um, but obviously when there's pushback, uh, it doesn't seem like anybody has any real answers for, for the people asking mm-hmm. questions. And I, I think the best part about this compared to some of the other sort of procedural scenes that have to do with, with, with uh, government functions is number one, the city government presence is noticeably not there. They enforce mm-hmm. this this forum, right? They say that uh, companies must have a public sort of discussion with the people 
in whose neighborhoods they want to move into. Uh, but th- I don't know if, uh, or it wasn't very clear if anybody there was a representative of the city itself. I think I think there was. There was a there was a, a he was a, a a tall bald black man in a suit that was up there up along. He was standing. He was alongside the table. And I, I, remember, I remember who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think he was. I think he was. He was from City Hall. Um, but yeah, but you're right that it was really, for the most part, it was the one police officer over in the side. There was, there was the man from city hall and there was the panel of, of people from the, from the marijuana dispensary company. And then everyone else is just regular citizens. And And go ahead. Wiseman's just such a great job of just letting everybody's frustrations really come across. I think like I said, compared to other scenes that are similar to this, this features the most kind of cutting to audience members, audience mm-hmm. reactions. Well, that's, um, yeah, because it's it it is all about the audience engagement in that, and and uh, I would have I I would have loved to be in that room with all these all these men and women asking these questions and and talking about how like um, people have gone to jail for the very thing that you're going to be doing because marijuana is legal now is like all those people with with felony records or whatever because they sold marijuana like are you going to give them a chance and um and talking about the parking like we're you're going to be leaning on the police department but the police department already doesn't really help us and um and the streets are going to be blocked and they talk about a Walgreens um and how the Walgreens is really more important to this to this community than this marijuana dispensary would be, and how by putting up this marijuana dispensary right next to the Walgreens, then you're gonna make it harder for the Walgreens to operate because the crime is gonna go up around in that area, and it's just all of these people venting their frustrations, and it's just is, and I think the and then at the end they calls like, is there gonna be a second meeting? Like, do we? Do we have any power to approve or to vote on whether or not you should be here? And and like the answer is no. Um, and because but but then the woman in the back is like, I can take these. I can take all this stuff to City Hall. And and then the one woman is just like, we have to go to City Hall ourselves and we got to talk to Mayor Marty and we got to talk to all these people ourselves so that we can change the system so that we do have approval. That we do have the power, and it was just—it was a ah. I just loved every minute of that. Uh, every minute of that scene. Yeah, I I think that the fact that there is no easy resolution, uh, or there is no final verdict reached during that meeting is is pretty key. Uh, especially yeah, because it ends so unceremoniously. It it ends with a woman who's basically saying is like, "There's got to be a second one of these." Yeah, um, we got to have another one of these, and we got to make sure that we're all back for that, and that we're all, and that we got to get more people involved in this. And then it goes off. Um, I think it, from there it goes to uh, uh, an interview with like a America's Food Basket, like this this grocery store, and they're talking about a remodel. But anyway, uh, but yeah, that that scene is like that's the very reason. Like that is that scene is the is why. We need civil engagement. It really is an encapsulation of the whole film, that like, that that the voices need to be heard, and that they need to be that they should have more power in their government, and that 
over the course of the film, we see that they are gradually, thanks to Mayor Marty's um, very inclusive, basically his position appointing and all that stuff and who he's, who he's putting in positions of power and giving voice to is that, that we need to, we need to make sure that everybody's heard. And I think that city hall in this particular scene and in the film as a whole, it just, it seeds succeeds brilliantly at, at making sure that you hear every voice. There is a reason that this movie is four and a half hours long. And it's so you can, you know, all of the perspectives of what, where people are coming from. Honestly, PBS should shell out for a Wiseman miniseries. Well, I mean, uh, he give does him something to do for the public broadcasting system. Like yeah. his movies air on PBS. Um, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure anyway, at least, yeah, that he's worked a lot with the public broadcasting system, that his movies will air on PBS and, and that his movies are basically free to watch with the library card. That's kind of why I wanted to pick Wiseman as one of the people to focus on with the screen's margins is just he's he's doing important work and and I think that maybe like the stuff like the run times and all that jazz is that like there's no commentary, there's no talking heads, there's no nothing. It's just the thing itself and that that might be a little that puts people off um potentially and whereas like man this is this is this is one of the most important movies of the year and and not many people are going to see it and anyway i mean criminally criminally underseen um i like that i think at some point somebody name drops ken burns in the span of this uh documentary and i would like to think that wiseman I think it was during the 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 veterans. Um... Oh yeah, yeah. They talk about they talk about um, what Viet the his 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 series on Vietnam didn't talk about or whatever. Or actually, yeah, it was the Vietnam vet uh, mentioning you know these places that he was at, and he was like, "Have you seen the Ken Burns documentary? You know, the main place that he focused on. That's where I was stationed." Um, and I would, you know, I'd love to. Th- like to think that Wiseman was just like chuckling to himself, saying, "He's <laughs> like, e- ah, e- yes, e- Ken my, Burns, e- my ass, yeah, that amateur." No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How old is but, Ken Burns, by the way? Oh man, let's see. Think older or, or younger? He's sixty. He's sixty-seven. He's he's, he's a baby. Yeah. He's he's yeah. a he's a youngin compared to Wiseman. But I mean, uh, working working completely different registers here. Um, yeah. I'm yeah I'm wondering I'm wondering because in in most podcast episodes I'm assuming or at least with the other series there'll probably be a much much easier way to discuss those films because they are you know by their structured narratives whereas whereas with the with with our weekly Wiseman we might it might be just more of a general discussion on what he's exploring yeah and I think that um I I don't know from what I've read from the limited interviews that I've, I've sort of skimmed uh he doesn't go into it with like any plans of editing it a mm-hmm. certain way he doesn't have you know a narrative path sort of sketched out that he's going to try to sort of fit the editing to like you know, fit fit the, the the square peg into the round hole of whatever plan he had originally for this, and um, 
from what he says, even his process of like editing itself, I don't want to say associative, but he like is going with like his gut feeling a lot of mm. times. It seems like so. Even if you know the the machinations of of why scenes are arranged a certain way, why it goes from this to this are are maybe entirely unknown even to to Wiseman himself. Yeah, I mean he he's he said that he when he goes into when he goes into making a shooting a film, he rarely ever knows anything about what he's about to shoot. He's just going to show up at a place and start filming, and then once he's got you know a hundred. 150 hours of footage then he just goes and he sits for nine months and pieces it together and it's and the res the result from we've both seen one other wiseman film uh you've seen boxing gym and i've seen um the store that i i don't know uh there there is definitely a rhythm to his films but there's not so much a structure like there's definitely a there's there's a beginning that makes sense and an ending that makes sense and we should talk about the ending of city hall in a second but just but in terms of how it move it really just seems to be kind of just a, a free flowing well i will say with the interstitials what the interstitials do well besides just being gorgeous to look at and being nice breathers is that they also help you with the geography of the city because while most of a large majority of of the of city hall takes place in city hall sometimes we'll go outside of that we'll go to a restaurant there's a there's a there's a scene at a goodwill and all that stuff and how he will use those interstitials to basically travel through the city and if we're going from the high rises to the neighborhoods you'll gradually the camera will get closer and closer to the ground and and there's stuff like that, but really, yeah, but but he never he never does like a traditional establishing shot. I've noticed, and oftentimes when he starts these sequences, he'll start them in like a medium, like a medium wide, mm-hmm. you know, in media res, like straight in the middle of oh, the yeah. action. No, there's no establishing shots for the scenes themselves. It's only until the end of the scene that Wiseman will cut to a wide. And then, like, it'll be so brief, you can hardly notice it, because then you're moving on to the next scene. Yeah, then then you're outside again, and you're moving through the town, and then you're at the next spot. Um, I will say that in terms of quick editing, I think the least, the if you can call it call it this, the worst moment of editing in the film is actually at the beginning that you talked the one spot that you were bored with the PowerPoint presentation on the budget is that he only cuts to the PowerPoint slides for like two seconds and then he never cuts back to them. And so I feel like the student at with the at and college or at high school with the teacher just like, can you go back to the last slide, please? I haven't copied down my notes fast enough yet. And but let's get to the let's get to the to to the ending of the film. And it ends in this this opera house, pretty sure, like this this big this big concert hall. And it's just chock full it's it's the Mayor Marty event. He's up there at the podium in which he says Boston has just has been rated the number one city in the world to get a job. And it's just like, dang, man. <laughs> like this is it after all of this, all of these tiny office office rooms and all of these dis, these complicated and nuanced and 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 difficult discussions and all this stuff were given mayor marty on a stage announcing that like this is the best city ever and 
and it's I gotta say a very very powerful way to end because it's not like he's close up on Mayor Marty like he's it's it's a hero shot where he's like way up in the rafters just pointing down on this man on the stage Citizen Kane style like making the, all these declarations and it's just way to go Marty <laughs> yeah it, it certainly is his most um, rehearsed and polished polished speech uh, in the film. Yeah, there, there, there's a. This demands a rewatch at some point. I think the most su- surprising um, effect that this film had on me is that it is after everything that's happened this year. Like it's been a, it's been a terrible year, just on almost every front. And what this film managed to do was restore just a tiny bit of my faith in government. And like, and that this is what a, a functioning government can do, and that it could actually do some good. And I was really surprised when the film ended. I was like, "Man, I, I, I've just got a little bit more hope now that that things might be able to go back, not go back, but go forward, um, to to being respectable and decent and and progressive." Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that same hope? Do you have none of that hope? Um sometimes I'm like let's just abolish all of this and start from scratch. Uh some you know, obviously greed is such a overpowering factor mm-hmm. uh in in our politics that I, I you know, we're talking on the federal level here, obviously. Yeah. We, 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 we can't... I don't see any path forward on the federal level. I, But obviously, if this film proves nothing else, it's that on, on the local level, there's still people who care about making good policy and mm-hmm. who care about um, making sure everybody is included, uh, and- which, you know, these are not efforts that should be thrown in the garbage or completely ignored. Yeah, like so it's complicated. Every, everyone always talks about the federal stuff. When are you making sure that your local representatives are the? I mean, because voter turnout was incredibly high, relatively speaking, for the twenty twenty election. But still, like the when it comes to local elections, like those are the voter turnout still sometimes as low as like twenty percent, and mm. and that those are like as we can see through city halls, like those ones can have like a ton of impact those can maybe more impact than the stuff at the federal level can in terms of how it affects your daily life yeah and and until we get some major sweeping reform of like gerrymandering Mm -hmm. and campaign finance and you know making money from external sources while you're a public servant I I think all of politics will be just fighting for minor concessions instead of yeah. any real substantial change. Yeah, it's it's I'm 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 eagerly awaiting January 1st, 2021 because of two things. One, this podcast will be launched. Two, 2020 will be over. Right. Um but at the same time, I'm scared of it because I know that that it's not like everything's going to magically get better. Right. Um, and I, 
quite frankly would love to see Trump put up a fight and refuse to leave and have to be dragged out. Yeah, because uh, what was screaming. it was the the Joe Biden aide who said it is like the White House Secret Service is perfectly capable of escorting trespassers out of the White House. Um, yeah, so that'll be a fun bit of, of theatrics, uh, if nothing else. Yeah, it, I my guess is that it'll be just a very passive aggressive. Just he'll leave, but he's just gonna stick his tongue out on the way out or something. Like yeah, that. and then you know, next day TV deal. Yeah. <laughs> we've kind of we've kind of moved away from city from the film at this point, but a little to, bit. But but it but it, it sort of gains a, a context through all this stuff. And it's interesting because I don't Trump is only mentioned a couple of times in this film. Um, the most explicit is um in a cabinet meeting where Mayor Marty's talking to his cabinet about how, you know, in the past administration we were able to work really well with 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 Washington D.C. They were always reaching out to us and talking to us, and now not so much. Um, but but he's he's really not present, and I think that in he's really not like talked about a ton in the film and i think that that's it's kind of neat because one i don't have to think about him for four and a half hours um straight and two it's showing that this work is being done despite him um despite all of the efforts of of 45 that that this work is still getting done and that people are still doing the doing the work that is needed and I think that that's that's a real credit to the film is that that it wasn't just about how complaining about how Trump was ruining everything. It was about like we're gonna do our jobs. It doesn't matter what the situation in Washington is. Yeah, and you know Wiseman is here for a sort of multicultural co- collaborative mm-hmm. vision of local government. This is one bit that we haven't discussed at all that I really loved, and that was the lo mein cooking sort of tutorial demonstration, presumably organized by the city, or else it wouldn't have been been featured there. Um, but it's it's just a really kind of low key food demonstration that presumably everybody got to eat some of. Uh, afterwards, uh, but there was a uh, most important part about it to me was the musical performance afterwards. Oh, yeah. uh, a woman playing a traditional Chinese string instrument, uh, but she was while playing in tra- while in traditional dress. Right, but the, the key thing here is she's playing an American folk song. She's playing Red River Valley, and 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 I think that's that's sort of at the heart of the the multicultural Boston that, that Wiseman is trying to illustrate with all of these different sects. This is where it kind of comes together. Um, and I, uh, to me, that song, I'll always have strong associations uh, with the uh, Grapes of Wrath, the John Ford yeah. movie, because it's the opening and the closing of that. Uh, and the sort of Dust Bowl era, you know, United mm-hmm. States. Uh, so, so for me, the, I think Wiseman is kind of plugging into all of these associations um, because even though there's not a very strong or like a very explicit sort of working class 
uh, preoccupation in City Hall, it's everywhere. It's you like go to the construction sites where the mm-hmm. where the, the city's uh, you know inspecting buildings. Um, the the like you said the sort of very zen garbage truck uh, you know scene. Uh, it, it's class issues are literally in every single part of this of this film. So um, we 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 talked earlier about how. Um how we might um sum up these films you, we 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 come we came up with the term uh the the what was it the quantified vibe mm-hmm. um quantified vibe check uh <laughs> so so i guess so harold what is your quantified vibe check of city hall what's 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 your takeaway from from this film um well i really enjoyed it um I, you know, devoting an afternoon to it was probably among the best things I could have done during this winter break. Uh, it's perfect, perfect overcast watch. I wish nothing, I wish I could have seen this in a theater. Like, oh, oh my yeah. God, yeah. I uh, just, that would have really brought it, like, all the way up. Uh, but even so, it was stellar. If I really had to put a number on it, I know you don't like out of 10, but like 8 out of 10, 9 out of <laughs> 10. Right. Um, so I feel like I'm a little rough with documentaries because I'm usually looking for something that's more formally experimental. And in a sense, this is with, the, like you said, the lack of talking heads, the lack of titles, and the lack of like a guiding uh, voiceover. Never any text on screen, nothing. It's just the thing itself. Exactly. And in the sort of very, like I said, associative style of editing that, that Wiseman employs. Um, but it, I wouldn't call it avant-garde uh, in any respect. Uh, e- e- even so, I, I thought it was really impressive. Uh, more than justifies its four and a half hour runtime. And I, I'd, I'd gladly devote another day to it. Um for me, um, I'm not. Gonna, I don't think I'm gonna do like a like a number thing, but City Hall is. It, I have it right now as my second favorite film of 2020, um, behind only Lovers Rock, the Steve McQueen small axe film. That that's a transcendent piece of cinema. But um, but City Hall is just. It's. I mean, it's it's a once it's a once in a lifetime experience to just be able to sit there. And watch people work for, I mean, they're working for you. They're working for the citizens. And and watching the citizens work for you. That they're out there being advocates um, for causes and for communities. And through the four and a half hour dedication testament to those people. That I, it is a, it is a can't miss film. And... And it is one that I probably will be watching again, and I that I will be re- recommending to people that yes, it's four and a half hours, but come on, you binge all your TV shows in a day. Um, you can give four and a half hours to this because because it when you come out of it, you come out of it a more informed, more engaged person. All right, so I th- I think that pretty much wraps up our our discussion of city hall which um will lead lead us into the the final section and this the podcast 
my goal is that it not be this long every time. I'm, um, but I'm hoping that most dis- most episodes will run between thirty to thirty to forty minutes in total. I'm, I'm I want to keep this under an hour. I mean, we gotta watch these four and a half hour movies. That takes time. We got other right. stuff to do in our day. Um, anyway, and I mean, uh, Phil, you know, if we're watching like a ninety minute movie, a discussion should not be as long as the movie. Yeah, and not all Wiseman's films will be this long. Some of his films are 90 minutes. Some of his right. films, like the one about the New York Public Library, will be six hours long. So, anyway, I just wanted to note that this, this episode is, is long will be longer than most. That's the goal, anyway. Um, but in this last, um, in, this, in this section, um, where I'm wanting to do at the end of every episode, in, in addition to talking about the film that we've discussed, to basically just do a shout out to, uh, uh, to what I'll, I'll call a recommendation from the margins, just a, re- a shout out to any cinema from from the non uh, uh, dominant perspective. I'm gonna start by just shouting out. It's like I want to shout out. This film has been with me for 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 many years at this point. It's a very important film to me, and it's the 1988 film Stand and Deliver. Um, directed by Ramon Menendez, and it stars Edward James Olmos as Jaime Escalante, who is a real-life uh, Colombian immigrant, um, emigrated from Colombia to be a teacher in East L.A., and he was supposed to be a computer teacher, but when he showed up, there were no computers because there was no funding, and so what he ended up doing is he ended up teaching math, and he ended up teaching all these kids um, calculus and getting them to take the, the AP test, and when they all passed their results were called in the question so they had to take the they had to take the test again so i just i just want to shout out uh stand and deliver because that's just that's just one of the great films in my opinion that 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 doesn't get a lot of recognition let's see as far as my recommendation um i watched a documentary earlier this year that i really loved it's called hansworth songs uh directed by john uh, Akomfra, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but pr- produced by the uh, Black Audio Film Collective. Okay. Um, so it is definitely a more sort of the, the sound design in this film is, you know, not coincidentally amazing, but uh, uh, it's more of an avant-garde work than uh, City Hall is. Uh, it sort of takes place during uh, riots in 1985 in London uh, the Hansworth district in Birmingham. Uh, and it just deals with the repressive policing of black communities. Um, but the, the sort of way that it's assembled, it's really interesting. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, also no talking heads, no intertitles, but there's a lot of the, the soundtrack is like very droning. Um, all of the interviews, uh, are, are detached, uh, it uses like official police bulletins that and like news reports that are also detached from their sources, and it also incorporates uh, like collages, like you see collages being assembled um, in the film, essentially in, in in using stop what is stop motion to just kind of have them build in front of your eyes, uh, and it's pretty remarkable. I think unfortunately it's kind of hard to get a hold of. Okay. Um, but it's a very strong recommendation from me. If, uh, what's, the, what's the title again? Hensworth Songs. Okay, so now now it's the wrap up section. This is where all the plugs happen. Um, 
So, uh, Vincent, why don't you plug yourself? So where, where can uh, people find you? People can find me on Twitter at uh, HeraldTXT. Um, and that's pretty much the main, my main kind of outlet to the okay. world right now. I will hopefully have some more stuff in the pipeline soon. Okay. Cool. Good, good tease. Um, uh, all right. So you could, you can find me, B. Peterson. I'm at, um, on Twitter at Blue Gray Closet. You can find the screen's margins at screen's margins. Um, no space or underscore or anything. Um, Patreon, screens, margins, uh, Anchor is what the the host the where the podcast will be hosted. That's at uh, screens, margins, I believe, on Anchor, and hopefully it'll be available soon on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, all the various different um, different sites. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, we we know that there's a there's a pull these days when it comes to films to focus only on the the big and mainstream stuff. So so thank you for spending a little time with us today here on the margins. Good night. Ah, ah, ah.